Welcome to week three of the Don't Waste a Good Recession webinars. Uh, I am, as always, your host, Jacob Aldridge, and apologies for those who tried to join us live this morning. Uh, we looked to shift from Facebook to Zoom so that you could actually see my face, see each other. We might have a bit more communication. Uh, unfortunately, in my promotion of this event, we did get Zoom bombed. Uh, so we are now uh, part of the trend that is going on for an awful lot of people. Uh, apologies, particularly for those of you who did jump on and join. Maybe like me, you learned some new words, some new uh, Japanese animation. Let's get straight into this week's topic. Uh, and as always, let's do it by kicking off with a meditation. This is your first time. We always aim to start with a guided meditation. Uh, brief, just to get everyone present and grounded. There's so much noise going on in the world at the moment. Having an opportunity to just let it go is really, really valuable and useful. And importantly, when you're about to get given a lot of high value information like we look to share in this every week, you wanna make sure that you are actually able to take that in. It's not going to get clouded by the noise. So if I could invite you all please to just join me Make sure that you're comfortable, hands and legs uncrossed. If you're okay, just close your eyes and focus on your breath. We always like to start by focusing on our breath because it's something that's always there, yet not something we're always mindful of. And it's something that can go on unconsciously, subconsciously, it's also something we can take control of. And so on your next in-breath, just focus on taking a deep inhale through your nose. And a big exhale out through your mouth. You can make a bit of noise if you want to. And just repeat that a few more times. In through the nose, out through the mouth. And whatever noises or distractions are going on, don't fight against them. Things pop into your mind, you hear noises. It's okay to just acknowledge them and then let them go. Meditation is not about silencing your mind. It's about bringing you in tune with what's going on up there. And giving you the ability to not let it get in the way. So perhaps while you're focusing on your breath, you may notice other thoughts jumping into your head. That's okay. Just let them be, check in, acknowledge their existence and then let them go. We talked last week about emotions, how emotions are like clouds in the sky. They may come, they may come and overrun the sky, but the sky, your essence is always there. The clouds, just like your feelings come and go. And so too your thoughts come and go. You don't have to jump onto every single one that appears. In through the nose, 
out through the mouth. And then lastly, draw your attention to your chair, however it is that you're sitting right now. The floor, possibly beneath your feet, beneath your seat. Feel how they are supporting you, how grounded you are. One final time, breathing in through the nose and then on your final breath, with the palms of your hands together and open your eyes. Even though this one is pre-recorded, I will reiterate that we are always looking for your agenda items, either in the Facebook group, Don't Waste a Good Recession, uh, or by contacting me directly. Anything that you want to discover, anything that you're seeing going on in the world, you want to add to the agenda, please feel free to bring these on. I also want to invite anybody who's interested. We're looking at doing some hot seats moving forward where we are offering small to medium-sized business owners the opportunity to have uh, a hot seat experience, which is a one-on-one -on -one live coaching session with myself, um, possibly pre-recorded if you prefer, or as part of the group, opening that up to input and discussion from others in a guided way. So if you're looking for some specific personalized support or you wanna share what you're doing, maybe you feel you're doing uh, reasonably well through this all uh, and wanna share that and have a conversation around that, please do let me know uh, and we will put up some specific invitations in the Facebook group as well. Welcome to Friday, the 2nd of April. We thought that March was going to last forever. For some of us, it possibly felt like it did. A quick check-in on our economic snapshot for the week. Uh, you can see a bit more green and a little bit more red. Uh, the red over there in the stock markets uh, and even that green for the Australian, the ASX 200, all of the markets were fairly flat this week, uh, the week-to-week -week comparison that we did. So I was tempted to actually leave the colours out of those. They were down but slightly, up but slightly, fairly flat for the week. The great news, of course, is the green sitting over in the coronavirus statistics. Now, why do we have these four statistics as our current measures, the economic indicators that I'm watching? It's really a, a cause and effect kind of direction. So uh, coronavirus, you know, what's happening with that in terms of cases, deaths, and the acceleration or deceleration of those is driving an awful lot of the economic activity and, frankly, the emotional uncertainty that we're all feeling right now. So it is impacting the markets. It's having a big cause and effect on the markets. The markets were up last week. They were flat this week. That, for mine, is a fairly direct response to some of this overwhelming stimulus package that the governments are throwing at the markets. Based on history, which is where I base a lot of the economic commentary in these snapshots, that is most likely to be, in terms of market sense, a dead cat bounce. In other words, it's not a, a proper bounce off the bottom, let's go, let's get up and walk away. Uh, the saying, impolite as it might be, is that even a dead cat will bounce. Uh, I think that's a short-term response to the stimulus packages uh, as we realise that there's no magic bullet, there will be increased uncertainty and fear. And, and the reality is even for those who are benefiting from these stimulus packages, it's not going to be as beneficial overall as a booming economy. 
And so I think we will see those markets drop further south in the coming one to three months. As we get further away from cause and more into effect, we get unemployment numbers. So unemployment shows up a bit later. It gets officially reported on a bit later. Uh, and then even further down the track, we get the GDP growth numbers. And those are the ones that officially tell us whether we've had a recession or not. Uh, but of course, by the time we get the GDP numbers to tell us we've had a recession, it's past tense. We will already have been in the recession. So we want to make sure that we're getting some of the lead indicators to tell us what's happening. Uh, and then also keep a track on some of those subsequent indicators. Uh, I mentioned that unemployment is something that generally gets reported a little bit later. In fact, I don't think we have official figures for the UK for February yet. And here we are now at the beginning of April. It can take a while for governments to collate that data. However, there are some preliminary numbers coming through. Uh, the US report weekly on new jobless claims, which is a related but slightly different figure. Uh, some of you may have seen this, that these numbers peaked 1982, which was a double dip recession, 2008, which was a double dip recession. They were the, the two highest figures for weekly new jobless claims in the US, around about, I think, 585,000. Uh, week before last in the US, 3.3 million absolutely blew it off the, the chart. And if we can kind of see, uh, there's 1982, which was the record, there's 2008, which got very, very close. And week before last, not even close. The really scary thing is between me preparing these financial reports uh, and presenting them to you, last week's jobless numbers have come in and uh, back to back, so this isn't like unemployment stays steady. If you're unemployed, you're still unemployed. It counts as the number. This is new jobless claims. So two weeks ago, it was 3.3 million people newly unemployed in America. Last week, 6.6 million. It took a record that was six times higher than any week in history and doubled it. So if there's any uncertainty that we are now in a steep recession, then we ought to lay that to rest. Uh, the, the economic saying, of course, is that when the US sneezes, the world catches a cold. Uh, I was saying in uh, economic presentations 18 months ago that now we need to look at China. When China sneezes, the world will catch a cold. I didn't realise we were going to take that literally, literally and economically. Uh, what's happening in the US right now is extraordinary and will have a massive impact on the rest of the global economy. So how do we respond? How do we as small and medium-sized business owners maintain our responsibility? Well, I wanna talk not about the poo we're in right now, but about some you know, pooey, shitty situations that we've been in in the past. Uh, the great horse manure crisis of 1894, uh, which is a, you know, this is potentially a good fun story. There is a very important moral to it, uh, particularly at a time like this. So how did we, end up in a, a horse manure crisis. Some more numbers for you. In 1860, the city of New York, bustling city, gateway to America. In 1860, residents of New York took 35 million horse-led trips per year. So that's not just privately going out on your horse, all of the public transportation systems, and they did exist in New York in 1860, they were horse-drawn trams, horse-drawn carriages. Uh, so 1860, there were 35 million a year. By 1870, that number had more than tripled to 100 million trips per year. 
by 1880, there were at least 150,000 horses living in New York and probably a great many more that we didn't even necessarily know about. And each horse, for those who want to get a bit technical, releases between 10 and 30 pounds of manure a day, average 22 pounds, which is 10 kilograms, for those of us who prefer kilograms as a measurement. So you've got at least 150,000 horses dropping an average of 10 kilograms of manure every single day, 45,000 tonnes of horse shit every month. And this wasn't just something that was limited to New York, of course. Every major city, having had the wave of urbanisation that came from the first industrial revolution, was experiencing this crisis. So the reason we call it the crisis of 1894, that's when it got particularly bad. We drew a lot of awareness to it in London. So the Times newspaper in London, in 1894, they made a prediction that uh, in 50 years, every street in London will be buried under nine feet of manure. Uh, in New York City, uh, they had a 40-year outlook, 1930. Uh, horse manure would reach the level of Manhattan's third-storey window, so it was going to be even deeper on the island of Manhattan. The world's first urban planning conference was held in 1898. It was held in New York, and it was actually held for the specific reason of discussing the horse manure crisis. What could cities do in terms of urban planning to manage what was, based on 1860, 1870, 1880, forecasting all of that forward, what was going to be an extraordinary amount of horseshit that they'd have to deal with? The conference was slated to run for two weeks. It, it got cancelled after three days. The conveners recognised that there was no solution in place. So there's no point even having the conversation anymore. So what can we take from that? Because you might realise that by 1930, there wasn't a whole lot of horse manure in New York City. Uh, 50 years from 1894, that was 1944, that was the middle of the Second World War. I mean, the, the blitz was pretty terrible in London. It wasn't exacerbated by nine feet of horse manure on every street. The problem got solved and the solution was, if you haven't guessed it already, the invention and popularisation of the automobile. So within a generation of this crisis, there were more cars on the streets of New York than there were horses. And the horse manure problem had been replaced by emissions from cars, which, as we know, of course, have absolutely no consequences and nothing we need to worry about. So what's the moral that we need to take? Well, the first is that right now there's going to be a lot of forecasting. And there's a lot of forecasting that is going to be based on fairly short-term uh, you know, 3.3 million jobless claims, 6.6 .6 million jobless claims. Does that mean next week it's going to be 12 and a half, 13? Is it going to be 26 million the week after? Rather than looking at the bigger, longer picture, which is a key part of the conversation we have in our economic chats. So a lot of forecasting, just like the Times of London in 1894, is frankly utter horseshit. It could point to the fact that change is hard to predict. And that is absolutely true. I've been pushing back a lot on Twitter recently about people who say that this pandemic is a black swan because it's not. A black swan is something that is not just unpredictable, it is literally unable to be predicted. And there have been a lot of people predicting the next pandemic, certainly a lot of people like myself predicting the next recession. So to say that this was unprecedented, unpredicted, 
is to suggest that we couldn't have done anything different. The reality is, as businesses and as nations, we need to go, what could we have done differently, even with the information we knew? We didn't know that it was going to be a coronavirus mutation that caused this, but we knew something was going to happen. The most important moral I see for the horse manure crisis of 1894, and I'll say that one last time, is that often when we are stuck in a problem, it seems impossible to solve because we're thinking of that problem through the wrong lens. We're looking at it often from our past experience and we're bringing that past experience into this problem we've created. And of course, we're not seeing the future solution because we need to come at these problems very differently. So nobody sitting in that convention in 1898 in New York thought that automobiles were going to be the solution for this problem. That was something that was being solved outside of the experts who were tasked with solving this problem. And similarly, for your message, for your business, there is a solution for the challenges you are facing. Uh, it might not sit in front of you. It is unlikely to be something that you have done in the past. But don't let that make you feel that no solution exists because history has shown us time and time again that we are an ingenious species, that ingenuity will kick in and that there are solutions coming for the pandemic, there are economic solutions, and more specifically for the challenges you face in your business right now, there are solutions out there. They just don't look like what you were doing in your business six months ago, two years ago, heck, the annual plan you may be set in January. Your business isn't gonna go back to the way it was. We're not gonna go back to a world pre pandemic pre this recession. It's just, we just we never do. You can't go backwards in time. The future of your business is going to look different to the past of your business. And the sooner you let go of some of that past and start thinking of the future, the sooner you're going to be able to do some of the strategic things that you need to do. Here are the four things that I see that every successful business is going to have to transform between now and the release point the execution phase of this recession, which is probably the second half of 2021. You need to plan to transform your client base and how well you know them. You need to transform your product, which may be the packaging, the pricing, it may be something even more fundamental. You need to transform your sales and your marketing strategy. What people are looking for, the way they buy is going to shift. The message you give them, how you get cut through, how you get conversion rates is also going to shift. And you need to transform your team members, which could be capability, it could be efficiency, it could be that this helps you realise there were some of your team members, as we discussed last week, that this is actually a blessing in disguise, that you can actually shift them out. I'm certainly not going to, in this session, go through all four of those at any level of detail. Instead, I'm going to focus on what we need to respond to this week. So this week, week commencing from Sunday, the 5th of April, 2020, what are the two priorities that I'm recommending for you in your business? And do please come and join us in the Facebook group. If you're not already a member, don't waste a good recession. To have some conversations. How are you going with this? How are others? Are you experiencing challenges? Have you had some success that you'd like to share with your fellow business owners? So the two things I'm recommending this week, uh, what do your clients need right now? 
Now, again, I'm not talking about the businesses that are counter-cyclical, the businesses that are booming right now, although that's possibly a useful question for every business at every point in the economic cycle, but especially if you've had a slowdown or a shutdown or a lockdown or a crisis. What do your clients need right now? Over and above, don't get caught up in what you sell. What do they need? What can you deliver? How has that changed? And then who are the members of your war cabinet? So let's get stuck into each of those. Again, from last week, so you'll see the, the date up there is this is from last week's presentation. All of these are on YouTube and on, in the Facebook group. Last week, I was advising you to call all of your existing clients, start going to your alumni, previous clients if you had time, with the four questions, what are you experiencing? How are you feeling? What do you need? How can I help? Uh, interesting always to hear how you went with those. Please leave a comment. Uh, about how some of those conversations might have gone or anything particular that you listened or learnt. What we're really wanting to do is amp this conversation up. So now it's not just have you got a, a list of all of your current clients that you've checked in on. Keep doing that as a priority if you haven't got around to them all yet. Um, how about all of your clients from the last 10 years? Every business that you've helped, every customer that you've dealt with, you've got contact details. And remember, using the telephone wherever possible. It's far less efficient from a time perspective, but far more productive in terms of getting you these answers and getting you valuable information. Uh, how about your prospects? Anyone that looked to buy a service off you in the past three years, five years, longer if you want to. Going and picking up the phone, having a conversation with them. What are they experiencing right now? How are they feeling? What do they need? How at all can you help? Now, what you're listening for in particular in those last two questions, what do they need right now? And how can you possibly help? Now, there may be some immediate opportunities, but if you're going to change your product, transform that product packaging pricing, then you've got to start listening for opportunities that didn't exist. Again, in last week's session, so I won't repeat it at length, we talked about how you may need to change the packaging of what you're selling. Maybe you need to unbundle services to offer them as standalone options that are a lower price. Maybe you need to bundle things together to have a more comprehensive solution that gives clear value to somebody who's looking to buy. Uh, I've been speaking with a few trades this week who have been wanting to go out to businesses that are shut and have the conversation about you know, how often do you actually get a chance to have your whole business closed so that you can do a whole lot of the maintenance work that needs going on things that might be difficult to do when you've got staff or customers coming through uh, at all hours of the day in some cases. Now, that's a great bundle opportunity because that business who's hurting doesn't want to go, that's a great idea, but now I need a plumber and an electrician and a, a pest control technician and a cleaner and all of these things. If you can go with a bundle and say, oh, I can bring everything that's needed and do it for one fair price, that's going to work excellently. Other clients are unbundling where they might do a 12-month program. Now they're doing it month by month, for example. So look at that. Don't drop your pants on prices, but also look at prices and the value that you're able to deliver right now. Um, those are key parts of pivots. If you need to fully change your product in a recession, what do you need to listen for? and What questions do you need to ask? So when you're out there talking to your existing clients, your alumni clients, and your prospects from the last few years, asking them what they need right now. Be listening for these three categories of information. What services or products can you deliver right now or very soon? 
You may not have been selling that service or delivering that product a month ago. But if you can do it, then it ticks that box and may be of interest. Which products or services are experiencing a high volume of demand right now? Again, they may be different, they may be the same. And which products or services would have a high profit margin if you or someone were able to deliver them? You think about three criteria like that, a Venn diagram is the best way to show the overlap. Now, obviously, what we really want, the holy grail, is something that ticks all three of those boxes. It's a product or service you can deliver. It's a product that has high volume. It's in demand still, and it has a high profit margin. I'll be honest, if that existed in your business, you probably already know about it. You're probably already doing okay. Um, what we're perhaps a little bit more interested in is the things that don't fit the perfection, but sit in some of the other areas. Uh, incidentally, by the way, just a little trivia note, because you know I can't help myself, uh, that picture there, uh, I'll bounce it in again. That is actually the Holy Grail. Uh, that sits in a chapel in the Spanish city of Valencia. Uh, I have been there. I have seen the Holy Grail. Indiana Jones was looking in all the wrong places, which just goes to show that he was not uh, you know, really an archaeologist. Uh, it hasn't been lost. It does exist. So beyond the Holy Grail, though, a lot of options that might come at you. How do you make sure that you choose wisely? Well, Let's go through each of these uh, separately, but with some pace. Products that you can deliver, but which are not in demand and don't deliver a great profit margin, you may need to mothball those, put them in maintenance mode. If you've got some clients using them, it's not too much effort, there's cash flow coming in, maintenance mode just sort of says, okay, keep them going. Uh, one of my businesses, for example, um, we're about to open it up. Uh, and and uh, and give it away to all of the existing members. That's just going to stop. Uh, it's not a particularly profitable service that we've got. This is just going to get rid of a lot of the administrative headaches if people can just access it for free all of the time. Uh, and so it will chug along and, and we'll review the strategy around that at the end of the recession. What about something that you can't deliver that a lot of people want? or something that you can't deliver, but you know has a high profit margin. And this is where your networks come in handy. This is where I would be recommending you uh, really leverage those communities. And, it, and it's those referrals. Again, we touched on this last week. What do your clients need? And if you can't deliver it, how do you find somebody who can and can do it with pace? When I talk about strategic referral channels, I often talk about uh, you know, why we'd have this, what are the benefits that are involved? And there's, there's five main benefits to a referral relationship. Revenue, mutual referrals, knowledge, protection, and loyalty. Now, generally, I say you don't want a referral relationship that is based solely on money. That's for most of the B2B businesses that I talk with. Uh, you know, the supermarkets, Kellogg's Cornflakes, that's, that's how they operate. Everybody gets a clip of the ticket. Uh, so it, it's something that exists. It's, it's not a model I'm opposed to. Right now, I think there is an opportunity. Again, you want to make sure you're not doing this just for the money. But if there is a product that you can't deliver, but your clients need, that has a high profit margin, that you can make a referral and take a percentage of that revenue, from one of your referral partners, another business that you know and trust will look after your clients, then I think that is a fantastic idea. 
Uh, and indeed, there may be some small businesses that are going to make more money from this over the next three months than they will out of their core product. Similarly, if there's some products that you can't deliver, the margin isn't so great, but there's a lot of demand for them. Uh, that's where I would look at referring, but probably referring for other benefits. I mean, if you've got 10,000 clients and a thousand of them are going to buy this and you can you know, make a, a few dollars on each, whatever it might be, then okay, consider the, the, the dollar percentage split. But the, the reality is, if there's not a lot of margin, there's not a lot of money in it for you. However, those other protections, uh, those other benefits kick in. So protection, you know, if it's something your clients need that's going to mean they're still in business in six months, then uh, go and help them to get it. Uh, if it helps you to keep in touch with and know what's going on with your client base, go and do that. If it builds loyalty because you solve a problem abundantly without it being something you can do, um, that's going to put you in incredibly good stead at the other side of this recession. Uh, it may be mutual referrals. If I'm sending you a heap of clients, maybe you are going to send me some back. Don't get caught up in quid pro quo and one for one or any of that kind of nonsense. Um, if you've got a trusted provider who can deliver something your clients want and they want a lot of, have the conversation. If I send you a heap of clients, uh, you know, how can we make that work? Don't get caught up in the money. What about those overlaps? What about those ones uh, where they tick two out of the three boxes? So again, here, these are the products that you can deliver and that have high volume right now. So there's a lot of people still looking for those. The margin isn't necessarily great. You can do it. That's probably your cash flow product or service right now. It's going to be the bread and butter. It's going to keep your doors open. A lot of people ask me, why do some businesses really drop their prices in a recession? Like they can't be profitable. The reality is at a certain size, cash flow, uh, and it shows that there's a lot of inefficiency in the business. And I would love to be helping those businesses to re advise their business model, actually get that transformation happening instead of doing this. But the logic that goes on in their head, even if I don't always agree with it, is I've got to pay staff, rent, overheads, leases, all of these kind of things. Some money coming in, even if it's unprofitable, is better than none. Um, so they'll be sitting in that space, potentially. I'd encourage you not to work at a loss, um, but recognize that these may not be profitable right now. They are your bread and butter. Uh, the flip side, products you can deliver, not a lot of volume right now, but they do have a high profit margin. So these might not be coming in on a regular basis, but when they do, big drops of profit. So you want to be looking for those opportunities. They can give you a, a hit of cash uh, when you need it most. The third, uh, which is also the final of the different uh, overlaps in the Venn diagram. So this is something you can't deliver right now, but which is in high demand and which has a high profit margin. This is a real opportunity space for you if you have spare capacity in your team or your business to either upskill yourself quickly, because the only thing missing is that you can't deliver it yet, so how can you get to the point where you can deliver it soon? Uh, or go looking for more of a formal joint venture. So instead of just referring that work, actually look, okay, how do we formalize this right now? If you've got a lot of people, your clients, your prospects, your relationships, who want to buy that product, that's of value to somebody who can already deliver it. How do you get a joint venture going? So for all of the ideas that you've got going on in your head, go through and have a look at these different categories. Where on that Venn diagram do they fit? So to give you an example for my business, you know, what are the people 
that I'm talking to looking for. Uh, not in any particular order, um, but I mean, a lot of people are saying, well, stimulus help. I know that my government, you know, the Australian Taxation Office, Boris Johnson, uh, the US Senate, whoever it is, they're, they're giving a lot of money away right now. I'm not sure what I qualify for. I'm not sure how to access it. Can you help me with that? Uh, for me, that's not something I can deliver. There's a lot of demand for it at the moment. The margin on it is pretty low. People who are doing this work aren't making very much money off it, if any. Um, uh, so it sits over here. So when I'm getting those requests, I'm referring them on. I've got two or three, depending on, um, uh, I have three specifically referral partners that I trust to look after businesses um, here and internationally. So depending on exactly the, the right fit to get the right advisor, I'm just referring those on. And I'm doing that from a space of protection that if my clients or my alumni clients can go and get that stimulus help, they're more likely to be in business in three and six months time. They're going to remember that and they're going to be around as a useful client. Uh, recession advice, which is in a sense what we're doing right now. That's something I can deliver. I've helped small businesses through a recession in the past, unlike most Australian advisors. So it's something I can deliver. It's something a lot of people are looking for. Um, so don't waste a good recession, for example, and some of the specific conversations that might fall out of this um, sit over in that space. They're, you know, they're not going to make me a whole lot of money, but they could keep some cash flow going in my business. Growth coaching, which historically has been most of the work I've done for businesses that are looking to grow quickly. They still exist. Those businesses still exist. There's not as many of them. The volume is down. The margin is still there. I'm still delivering that. Employment law, again, a lot of people asking for it, not my bag, not a heap of profit in it necessarily. I'm referring that on. Um, work from home efficiencies. So a lot of businesses now are suddenly working from home. Um, I can help people with that. Uh, I have been described by one accounting firm as the world's ultimate remote worker. Uh, I am not new to doing this. But look, there isn't actually a lot of demand for advice around that. There's a lot of free things out there that are helping, which is fantastic. There's no margin. There's not a lot of demand for what I can deliver. So really, I'm mothballing any of that as a, as a potential solution. Now, your business is going to be different if I take two of those that are probably going on for your clients regardless. Um, you know, they're, they're looking recession advice and growth coaching. So same things that I'm having, um, making some assumptions, knowing some of you who jump into these weekly calls, um, aren't necessarily business advisors like I am. So that recession advice, the high volume is still there, but maybe you can't deliver it. Um, the margin isn't there, but that's an opportunity to refer to people like myself who can help. Uh, and at the very least, as I keep saying, please do share Facebook group, YouTube, Spotify, don't waste a good recession uh, if that's something that's going on for you. Um, that growth coaching, some of your clients or relationships may be in growth mode. They may actually be accelerating because they're kind of cyclical or they got lucky or because they're good strategists and they're looking for help for how they control that growth. Uh, again, there is margin in, in those products if you can find someone who can deliver that work and is happy to share the fee with you. So keep having the conversations and keep thinking about what is it that I can deliver and how do I deliver that in a way that has the right demand, the right volume to get me the cash flow that I need. A final element. No, that's M and M. Sorry, that's no, that's that's the M and M's. Uh, that's what I'm looking for. M and A's, mergers and acquisitions, 
So the final option that I'd encourage your business, especially if you're not really hurting right now, you know, we've all taken a little bit of a, a, a breath at the very least uh, from the, the speed of this recession, uh, especially if you are still looking for some of that growth. Where are the opportunities right now around mergers and acquisitions? I mean, very briefly, a merger, you know, your business, another business, you merge them together, you want them to fit. An acquisition is a little bit more like you taking over another business. Um, they both have different pros and cons, different opportunities uh, worth learning about. Because if you're even just in a stable position right now, knowing that some of your competitors or some of the value chain, you know, people who are before you or after you in the client journey uh, are hurting right now, this can be a fantastic opportunity to not only help those businesses, help those clients, but also grow your business quite rapidly without necessarily needing to put down some of the cash, the finances you might have even just a month ago. Uh, and the key thing that I use as a starting point for mergers and acquisitions is the product market fit. So what's your product or service? What's your access to market? Some companies are really product companies. They're great at developing things. Kellogg's, in my earlier example, uh, you know, they don't door knock trying to sell you cornflakes. They just sign the, the, the cornflakes and then have a relationship with the market companies. Those who have channels to market, uh, distributors, um, wholesalers, etc. Uh, often the best joint ventures get the right balance between someone who's got the product or service, someone who's got the audience. For mergers and acquisitions, you're normally looking to reinforce your strength in one of those. Because if you're an expert product company, you don't necessarily have the capability if you bought a market company to run that well. If Kellogg's went and bought up Woolworths, then they probably wouldn't run that supermarket chain particularly well. Uh, however, you know your clients better than anyone else. You know some of their needs. And so this may be an opportunity to not break a hard and fast rule, but certainly break that rule of thumb and to go, well, right now we're one of those, particularly if we got the other, that would really enhance our business. So have a think about that. Again, more than happy to answer any questions that you may have and would recommend if you Google Blackboard Fridays episode 105, uh, or look it up on Vimeo or YouTube. Uh, that's my uh, guide to joint ventures, different kind of conversations, so relevant here. The question for you, what do you need? This is where the M&As will often work best, is sitting in any of those areas. You know, here they can add extra volume. Uh, here they can potentially add extra volume or improve capability for the profit margins. And here they can help your capability to deliver something you can't currently. Uh, the last product question that a lot of businesses are doing right now and a lot more are asking themselves, should I launch an online product? And my question is, where in this matrix would an online product live for you? Because the big thing that I see is, can I deliver it? And there are a lot of businesses that have been wanting to do an online product or a SaaS product for years. The reason you haven't done it already is because you didn't have the capability. So you need to ask yourself right now, if I am going to go down the route of an online product for my business, is that something my clients will actually buy from me? More importantly, you know, maybe I've got the time now to upskill, to get that capability to go out and do that. 
But if you didn't have the skills before and you're wanting to do that as a fast, quick fix to get you through a couple of months and then go back to what you were doing before uh, or to change your core product in a different way, then online products may be a massive distraction right now, not the solution. Not one size fits all again, just something that you can ask yourself. Great. Coming to the second of the two points for your priorities this week. So yeah, what do your clients need right now? Having that conversation with them, your alumni clients, your prospects, listening out for what you can deliver and whether it's going to make you any money. The second critical thing I want you to make sure you're taking time this week to sort out. Who are the members of your recession war cabinet? We are to a degree in a battle. We're in a battle against the economy just as much as we're in a battle against disease right now. Trying to do it all on your own is going to be difficult. It's going to be exhausting. And remember, energy is what's going to take us out of this recession. It's what's going to get your business from not just survive, but thrive. So who are you surrounding with in your war cabinet? And here are the five categories I'd encourage you to consider. The first person you want to have is some kind of finance professional, someone who can take a look at your numbers, your cash flow forecasts, P&L, your balance sheet, can actually bring strategic conversation to that. So you want them not looking in the past, but looking forward. What's that cash flow forecast? What's your strategy moving forward? What have you got to change? That might be somebody who's internal to your business already. Um, it might be uh, an internal CFO uh, and you know someone that I will give a specific recommendation to is uh, CFO Centre, FD Centre. Uh, this is a page from their UK website that you can actually go to. Uh, they're currently offering uh, any former clients or relationships, people like me in their channels who uh, want to have a, a conversation, to have just a one hour you know, a video conversation with a, a, an actual CFO who can go through your numbers, answer some of those immediate questions. And if there's value, if there's something that they can do to help, then they can come in and do that and, and work with you to support you in, in a way that makes sense for you. Um, so, you know, they're in a, a dozen different countries internationally, uh, most specifically the UK, Australia, Canada, and the US. Uh, for anyone who's watching this there that wants an introduction uh, or just go uh, to their website in your country and, uh, and drop them a note, feel free to mention Jacob Aldridge and don't waste a good recession. The reason why, and they, they, uh, they view themselves as internal CFOs who are part-time. So they're not an external consultancy that'll kind of come in and, and take your money. They see themselves as an internal part-time CFO. Maybe you already have a finance manager, a CFO yourself. Your accountant can fulfill this role. Just be very careful that you're not assuming that they do. Most accountants in normal times do not help their clients with cash flow forecasting and they do not involve themselves with their client strategy. Right now, absolutely, they're possibly doing more to support their clients, but don't assume that they're looking forward because that's not the traditional skill set of an accountant. And I say that as a former partner in an accounting firm. They have great skills. Those skills are perhaps different to what you might need from your finance professional. One of the skills accountants are really jumping into right now is that second of the trusted advisors, the stimulus support help. Who do you know who is on top of that stimulus, on top of what's going on, and therefore are on top of 
what it is that your 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 business is uh, eligible for. How can you access some of that cash, whether that's funding for your staff because they've been furloughed, funding for your staff because you're keeping them on, whether that's funding for you, for your business. There's new grants and loans came out today in one of the Australian states. These things are changing all the time. Um, accountants I'm seeing are doing a very good job of keeping on top of it. Um, there are others in that finance space. Uh, SBO, Smart Bookkeeping Online, uh, are, are another one that's doing an excellent job there. Who's helping you with that? Number three, financial planner. If you have a lot of assets outside of your business that you're worried about, it can be useful to have a financial planner who's overseeing them, particularly if the business is taking up more of your headspace these days. You don't necessarily have the time to be watching your share portfolio, your property investment, some of these things that you may be used to. Uh, and so consider having a financial planner who can who can be doing that research and guidance. Fee for service financial planning is what I recommend at all times and especially now. Having a mentor or an industry group. So a mentor, very specific, different to a coach. A mentor is somebody generally in your industry who has walked the path before, who knows what it's like to be in your shoes and can tell you some information, some answers from their experience. Industry groups, of course, are that on steroids, although you'll often get a mix of peers and you know, potentially people who are behind you on the journey as opposed to mentors who are normally advanced. Every industry is going through this differently. Some are booming, some are having a moment right now, but know that the work is going to dry up in another month or two. Others are all hurting. Some are very, very up and down. Uh, you can talk to three different companies. Uh, one of my clients uh, actually received a cease and desist order from a competitor uh, because my client is continuing to sell in this environment. They've taken on board some of the sales advice that I've given them. Um, they are actually considered an essential service, but there is a need for some parts of the business to be interacting with the public, which is you know, a little bit of a risk. They have done the risk mitigation, the HR, all of those things. One of their competitors um, weighed down differently and decided to um, shut down the business temporarily and has actually sent a cease and desist order to my client telling them to stop operating because they're poaching clients, because they're winning business right now. Uh, now, if you only knew one business in your industry, uh, it was the one that was still winning clients and going, well, you might think, oh, they're all fine. Or the one that had shut down, you might think they're all failing. Having that cross-section of your industry in particular will help you to understand whether uh, you know, there's things that you could be doing differently to really benefit. And then the fifth and final one is having that advisor, someone you can have a conversation with who actually has recession experience. Now, for those of you watching the UK, the US, frankly, most of the world, uh, there are a lot of them. Most of your accountants will have taken businesses through not one but two recessions in the past 15 years, three recessions in the last 20. If you're in Australia, as I'm quite fond of saying, uh, if your accountant, lawyer, business coach is under the age of 50 and hasn't actually worked overseas like I have, then they've never had a recession in the past. They've never... and. I, They'll tell you that the GFC was the same, and I think we're all identifying right now, this is very different to the GFC. This is a recession. This is a lot worse. Uh, and frankly, there's some more to come, which you would know if you've been through this before. So who do you know who has been through this before? Because they can give you some perspective. They can give you some calm if that's warranted, or they can give you the direct get out of whatever if that's what is warranted. Uh, and at the very least, as I say, Facebook, 
YouTube, Spotify. Don't waste a good recession. Come and have a conversation with us and with me. Is everyone on speed dial? Are you able to talk to these people directly? Do they know each other? That can be quite useful. And it's the last thing, when are your cabinet meetings? And there's two ways you could run them. You could get those advisors together. You know, get your accountant, your, uh, you know, your financial person, your, your, your coach or mentor or whatever, you know, get them all on a group Zoom call for an hour or a morning, um, you know, one morning early in the month or a Friday evening and have some drinks virtually or, you know, pick a time each month where you go, that's, that's when my cabinet is getting together. Um, I know particularly for some accountants right now who are super busy, um, you know, scheduling that might be difficult. Um, in which case, maybe it's just that you run your advisory board one-on-one. -on -one. In which case, do those consecutively. Don't, you know, talk to your accountant one week and your coach the next. And, uh, you know, you want to be talking to us all, all of the time. Uh, but the value of that is, you know, if I'm talking to all of my cabinet members on the same morning or the same day, whenever in the month that is, then we're making some faster decisions. Because if the accountant tells me that I can do X, Y, and Z with a stimulus package, uh, and then I can feed that into my CFO and they can update the cash flow forecast, and then I can immediately be chatting to my business coach or advisor or mentor around what I'm thinking that will do to strategy, you know, that can flow together in a really practical way to then give you some guidance for the next few weeks. If you're dragging out those conversations, it won't be quite as valuable. Who's in your cabinet? How often are you talking to them? The Facebook group here on YouTube, what questions do you have? What's come up from today? We've talked about the great horse manure crisis, the fact that your business is going to have to transform, that we are definitely in a recession, although I've been saying that for some time. And the two priorities for you this week, going out, uh, keep talking to your clients, your alumni clients, your prospects, what do they need? What can you deliver? Where does it fit on that Venn diagram matrix? And your war cabinet, have, are you surrounding yourself with the right advisors? Are you having a conversation with us often enough? Your other regular weekly actions, if you're not already, join our Facebook group, subscribe on YouTube or Spotify, tell your friends to come and join us, sharing is caring. You can download these support documents, jacobaldridge.com, and join the mailing list. The address is there, and we'll put those links out as well. Thank you, as always. I hope that your family are safe and healthy, the same for your team. And regardless of where your business is at in this economic cycle, I hope you're finding practical and positive ways to maintain, if not full control over your business, then at least knowing that you are at cause, that you are in charge, and that the world is happening with you, not to you. You have the point of power. Until next week, keep using it.